know, a smart guy once said that uh, hogs are a lot like ski boat. I don't want one, but it's nice having a buddy that's got them. Is that hogs? You can only say that, Brent, when you don't have them. <laughs> that's right. You're yeah. the guy. You can tell. You can tell yeah. where that's coming yeah. from yeah. when somebody well, says it. This fun for about the first day you have a track with hogs well, on it. Brent's thinking about that fine breakfast sausage or some smoked sausage they make out of. Yeah, them. you know, it's uh, it's fun to have one to go hunt, but when it's your land and your bills and your hard work getting undone, it's a different story. Yeah, this last podcast we talked about, you know, trapping nest predators. There's one thing that gets in front of that. It's a hog, and that's a hog. Okay. Yep. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to talk about hogs. And if you're listening to this podcast and you hunt, you probably deal with hogs. There's only a few pockets in the country, and especially in the South, that don't. Uh, if there's any, uh, maybe a little, right. maybe a little presumptuous saying there's any that don't have to deal with it. You, some certain tracks may not, but for the most part, uh, if, if you're in this game, you deal with hogs. They're not far from you. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we got a guest in the house because I'm looking around the table and me and. Chris and Mitt, I don't see a wealth of knowledge on hogs at all, so it'd be a short podcast if it's left up to us. That's correct. I know we get $35 to skin them. That's about all I can throw in on that one. But uh, Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you do get a few over there too, don't you? We do. I think we got about 400 this year, hogs. So, I mean, people are, you know, it's we'll get into that a little later. But yeah, we'll say we may get into, if there is an upside to them, we may save that right. one. We, we're going to slam on them for a little while first. We that's, don't want to go positive just yet. That's right. <laughs> Well, Mitt, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, so we got uh, we got one of the, the 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 key lead warriors in the in the in the hog battle. That's Jack Robertson with, with Hog Eye Cameras, and uh, and what they have spent several years is perfecting that system on how can we get in that game of reducing those populations yeah effectively how to knock them out on a property yep. yeah, that's that's a big difference and so it? you know i personally have some testimonies and close buddies that they have done a really really good job so with that said jack welcome um we i wanna, appreciate it gentlemen we want to pick your brain about about this, this problem that we all have got either on us or close to us well you know um like i said we've been in the business now about nine years and and this program i've watched it grow and and watch landowners, you know, fight it, and you run into all kind of landowners. So, like I said, I'm always willing to sit down and talk with folks, and, and you know, I appreciate y'all's podcast and what you're doing, and and helping everyday landowners, you know, not just government agents or something like that. And so, yeah, I'll tell you what I know and and what I've seen thus far, and we can kind of go from there. Well, let's start off by talking about the the, the distribution. What you've seen over the last 5, 10, 20 years in, in movements and how they're populating areas that we hadn't had in the recent past. I mean, visit with us a little bit about that. Well, you know, the the feral hog population, it, it started, I mean, all the way back with time in DeSoto's. They were brought into Florida, turned loose kind of deal is, is food. They didn't have to keep them up when they needed something to eat. They went out and hunted them. Um, and, and then you had a hunters that would go down to florida or or said hey i, I want to i want to be able to shoot pigs when it's not deer season or something else to hunt and so you know through the 60s 70s and pretty much early 80s you saw those populations just get spread out and you started having pockets um some of them were putting high fences some of them were just you know large landowners timber owners turned them loose hey we're not going to shoot them for three or four years let's see what happens uh, now that we know a lot more about how pigs reproduce and, and can populate an area, that population runs out of resources like any other animal. I mean, they're not wildlife. These are a nuisance animal. 
And uh, and then it starts spreading. They hit the road. They hit the road. You know, they're going to jump on a ditch bank and they're going to follow it to the ends of the earth kind of deal. Uh, unfortunately, we still have people that, that don't own land and don't know the damage that or the money that it costs landowners. And so, you know, populating pigs is still a problem. People are still, you know, if if you live in one part of Tennessee or one part of Alabama and, you know, you're driving two hours to go shoot a pig at a buddy's place, but heck, there's a daggum national forest, hundred, you know, 100 yards down the road. Let's, well, I'll just bring two or three Let's put them a little back. closer. That's right. Let's just put them closer, turn them loose. You know, How big was that in the spread of them? Uh, that's huge, and it's still going on. Um, you know, unfortunately. Uh, that's hard to believe, as much as we know about them now, that that yeah. still happen. I was, in a, I was in North Carolina last week, and um, I was really surprised. Their populations are still kind of pocketed. The people that said, I don't have them yet, but I want them, or talked to one gentleman, he bought 800 acres just because it had pigs on it so he'd have something to hunt and and that's just you know the people that have that deal with hogs or trying to make a living whether it's timberland agriculture or or anything uh you know once you get them it's detrimental you know the government came out a couple years ago and said actually this number is six years old pig cost you 267 dollars per year per pig maybe 270 whatever that's six years old the two and a half billion dollars of damage that Mm -hmm. that this is the number that the the government throws out. It runs anywhere from one and a half to two and a half billion. Those numbers are six, eight, ten years old. And and tell me something that costs the same today as it did ten years ago. I don't know. We but could you, double that. But you number. know, Jack, the funny part is the lore of hunting wild hogs and, and people. You'd be surprised at people that come in that, that want to go kill them. Yeah, but that that's coming great, from people. But they don't that, own them, and that's the uh, right. short lived ignorance yeah. window right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Jack, the guy, like the guy you referenced, that buys eight hundred acres because it has hogs so so there's two different economies there's an economy there in selling a hog hunt but then you've got the landowners who aren't selling they're trying to do other things with their land and maintain native species and that's and right so it's it's costing them you know and then you get the people that say well you know this guy's got hogs if they're so bad you know i'll come shoot them we see it all the time on social media you know landowner says i've got pigs catch them i'd come shoot them if you'd let me well you know Depending on what that landowner's use is, if it's row crop or whatever, now you got an access problem, you got insurance liability problems, and then ruts. you know unfo- ruts. <laughs> Unfortunately, you've got some people that don't understand. You know, when it rained five inches last night, stay off my roads. Thank you. Stay yeah. off my roads. Yeah, or you know, stay on my roads. Yeah, you know, they yeah. get out in the field. They do more damage than the hogs. That's right. So you know, like I said, it, it's a uh, you know there, there's a whole complex issue dealing with pigs here. But but you know today we're we're here to talk about damage and, and what they do. Uh, you managing know, them and, and getting yeah. rid of them. Well, you know, and, man, and, the, and the other problem is we don't know what the population is. We guess. That's we right. We guess. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. And there's been tons of studies. There's been all kind of methods coming from DNA out of fecal samples to looking at water samples to track counts. And there's just there's not a good way to say this piece of property has got X number of hogs on it. Uh, now, that relates back to what we were talking about, the trapping. Well, if you don't know how many pigs you have, how do you know you were successful in removing them all? Uh, you know, so so it's kind of you're trying to hit a moving target with it, so it's kind of tricky there. Um, is that some of what kind of led y'all down that road? Is that what makes these camera systems so effective? Yeah, so, so you're monitoring you you know because with deer you do camera surveys and over time you're able to get a pretty good idea of what you got. So you've got a camera system for hogs. Does that really help you? Well, I, I know from me as a landowner, and I want Jack. I want you to go back to that that thought, but I want to add this: is that 
since we don't have a good idea on the numbers, there is an inherent threshold of damage. And so I want to trap my hogs down until they're not tearing up my roads or they're not tearing up my food plots. And, and it, or you it, don't see them anymore. Or you don't see them anymore. And that not at all does that you know, insinuate that I've got them all. And so everybody's got a different threshold in there. And so, it, man, it would be so helpful if we could understand the populations that we're dealing with. How do, how do we know what that threshold is? How do we know when we got them down below that, that you know, inherent threshold that I'm talking about? Um, man, that's an uphill battle. Jack was telling me one time, I mean, you was at the bakery up there, you know, you put enough heat on them, they'll move, and all they'll do is move on your neighbor. You know, you're right. just laughing about it. And if he ain't trapping them, once Jack and him put the heat on them, trapping them, killing them, getting they camp them going, out right there. they camp out over there, then guess what? Here they come back. Am I right on that? Oh, yeah, exactly. That's what you told right. me. Yeah. That's what you told and, me. And we see it all the time. And, and that goes back to, you know, you've got landowners with different goals. Some landowners want a few to hunt. Some of them want as many as they can because the hogs have already run their deer off the property. The turkey population is down. Whatever. That's all they're left with. That's yeah. all they're left with. So I need all of them I can get. And I can hunt it year round. Well, you know, we all live in Mississippi. I don't really want to sit in a tree stand to shoot a pig uh, uh, in August or July. No. <laughs> Are you seeing that mentality, Jack, still in places with old hog populations? Among landowners? Yes. You're still seeing that mentality. They don't want you to get them. They don't want you to get them. And, and so, you know, we're fortunate. That's surprising. That, yeah. uh, that we deal with a lot of private landowners. We deal with a lot of federal and state agencies and groups. You know, so you look at the helicopter program that's, you know, a vital part of what USDA does. Um, they're having landowners back out of the helicopter program in some states because they think they've killed too many pigs. Mm. You know, hey, we don't want them all gone. Well, the problem is if you leave one and it's a sow. And she's pregnant. And she's pregnant. You got a population back. Yeah. While we're right there, how how quick? How often do they reproduce? Because I, I, you hear that that reproduction rate. It, I know that answer. Two um two times a year. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that, a domestic hog is three months, three weeks, three days. Yeah. Well, you know, and so I forgot, Mitch. Y'all used to grow hogs. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch grew up at the hog farm. Well, and unfortunately, most of our feral hogs came from domestic hogs. You know, I was going to ask that too. They you know, get mixed people up. People turn them they? out in the winter to feed, like yep. on acorns, and just and just. Well, you know, um, we were up on, the, like I said, I was up on the coast in uh, in North Carolina, and uh, a lot of their pockets came from the last hurricane that hit the coast, tore up a couple of hog Most barns, and, and you know, you take 10,000 pigs, turn them loose on the landscape, mm. that's a pretty good, you know, starter population. Wow. Now, it can't that's be good hit, for you know, business, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, well, <laughs> we don't want to go down that road, but yeah, I mean, that's an act of Mother Nature that caused a problem. Uh, but but what do you do? You tell a farmer that he can't make a living growing hogs? No, you just you know that's that's one of those risks you have to you have to mediate. Jack, on um, and another thing is people. I've heard so many people say this: the ones with the long black hair and the tails, long tail it lays down. Is you think that's the true what they call the Arkansas Razorback type hog versus? Or did some of them black and some of them throw out speckles? I know you've caught them all yeah. different colors. What do you what do you see on that? Because you know there's a out there where you're yeah. where you kind of live at. You know those those old ones. Those was brought back in the '60s to Knoxville County, Mississippi, and you know those those hogs came from Florida. Right. You know they brought those hogs in there uh, on Erickson's place to to hunt commercial hunt. That's right. And um, you know when, when you start talking about population, there's really no way to tell. Uh, you know, looking at DNA a big, is. what the DNA, you know, of course you get down to Florida, you, you start seeing a little bit longer snout on them. 
you know, that's just kind of, that's a regional thing. You can pull the DNA on them. And like I said, the, the government's done a real good job of mapping. Uh, one reason they mapping was looking for disease and doing genetic mapping. Also, it's, uh, you know, if a new population shows up, you you pretty much, they can tell you which county or which drainage it came out of in the Southeast United, awesome. or the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they do a, there's a lot of that goes on behind the scenes. They really don't tell folks, you know, and there's a. That's there, MIT level data right there. That's, yeah. right. that's, that's right out of MIT's pocket. <laughs> you know, you're looking at 30, 36, 37 diseases that are, you know, that are prevalent in wild, you know, wild pigs or hogs, whatever you want to call them. Um, so, you know, as far as who cares where they came from, they're bad. Right. Well, if you're a landowner and, and you know, me and Jack, we got history together. Me and him was graduates of Mississippi State in forestry school. He was more, I don't know if I. Jack, I, I, you I, told him in, in forestry I, school. Listen, I cheated off Jack every time I get it. He, he didn't usually miss no, no answers now. He's pretty sharp on that stuff. Um, but, you know, even in forestry, and me and Jack both have forestry backgrounds, timber companies jerking seedlings up, just rooting you know, and, and uh, you know, we started seeing, you know, you know, you think about it, I mean, you've been out of school a little longer than we want to say, but, you know, it was, it was a little problem then, but it wasn't as big. Look what it's done since we've been out in the last 20-something years. That's right, and that's where you get back into the reproduction. You know, people say they're going to have three litters a year. Here's what, you know, here's a pretty safe estimate. They're going to have two litters a year. She can start when she's six months old. Those litters are going very – depending on food availability and all that stuff. So if you're looking anywhere from four to eight, uh, you know, I, I was dealing with a landowner the other day. Uh, he killed a, a large sow or whatever, and, and by the time um, he got ready to go dispatch that pig, you know, there was 15. That's the most I've ever heard of in one Inside single Inside of her? No, she'd had them in the oh. trap. So he caught the pig at mm. night. You know, it was a lone sow. He said she looked pregnant or whatever, so he went ahead and caught her. And by the time he got there, he said there was 15 piglets. Uh, that's the most I've ever heard of. Now, like 15 said, is a high number. But, we but find Jack, seven over here all the time. Yeah, that um, these, The numbers homes. you were throwing out, you know, two litters a year, four to eight, I think that's on the conservative side. That is. Yeah. Um, you according, know, is it according to kind of like deer, how healthy they are? Food that's wise? right. Yeah, it, it depends on yeah how healthy they are, what the population around them is. There's some, th- you know, thoughts when you, you know, you can get into this. The philosophies on reproduction mm-hmm. as far as stress from resources, male to female, you know, soybean yeah. versus pine tickets. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, believe it or not, we find bigger, you know, larger boars historically for us trapping. Uh, we find them in, in timberlands than we do on row crop. Okay. Interesting. You know. you know, used to they would be in the bottoms, but, you know, they're in the upland now. Oh, yeah. They're going wherever those acorns are at. Well, they're they're going wherever they want to. You know, we. Yeah, that's you know, good. You that's get a good point. Think that's, about yeah, it, right? That's right. <laughs> you I'm know, glad we, I'm a roll tide fan. I mean, that's a good. <laughs> you, night. you get out there in, in Texas or Oklahoma, and you're talking about grassland areas where you know we don't. They call it timber. You know, it'd be a bush to me and you. Right. But uh, you know, those places are loaded with pigs, and they're wow. doing well in, in that grass. Yeah. Yeah, that's redefining pig habitat. That's tough. Yeah. There. I mean, that's, that just shows yeah. shows how adaptive they are. Well, the right? distribution of them. That's right. And, and yeah. if you look at the di- distribution maps, and they're all over the internet, you know, it's kind of a you know, it's an exponential growth form. And so, if you don't do anything about it and you don't check it up, it's just going to keep on growing. Wow. And the same thing we see that with landowners all the time. You know, hey, I've got a few pigs. Well, this is you know, this is what a system costs. This is what we recommend. Well, I just I don't want to spend that money yet. And then. 
typically within six or eight months, they're they, back. They've hit that threshold, and they call me, and they, I don't care what it costs. I wanted it here yesterday, yeah. and I'm like, no. You say that. I've heard that from from people I know. It, it'll start out as as they find maybe in one of the food plots they find yeah. where one rooted, and it's a novelty. And then they get a picture of one or two, and then it may be six months. And then they're covered up with them. Yeah, that's it. So, so what does that guy? So what's it look like once you have hogs? Once they've came into your life? Uh, so here's the way that transition. Shooting so when you're going down that road and you hit that rooting and it breaks your front axle on your four wheeler, that's when you call Jack. That's yeah. the threshold. Well, that's the threshold. Yeah, when that's, all of a sudden, well, it's a problem. Yeah. Well, I was telling Jack, I've when got it cost one, you something. One piece of land got hogs on it two years ago, and you know we just saw a little bit of rooting. Now I'm going to have to carry my dozer down there. It's on a lane. And I'm going to have to push dirt roads. back into the field. Jack, I, I, I would almost turn a tractor over. They oh, yeah. dug it that, you know, and that's why I was asking you, why are they digging that? And you said, just for smell. But, I mean, they've got some holes dug. It's, it's, it's waist deep. Oh, yeah. And, and, I mean, there's no way, and you think about it, anytime you have to load a dozer up, go out and put dirt back in a green field, it's not cheap. No. You know, they did a study several years ago in Mississippi State and um, asking landowners about damage and, and to estimate their damage numbers. And then they took a subpopulation and, uh, you know, you, I'm not real sure, you know, where that data is, but you could probably get it from, from the extension service. They went back and talked to those landowners and actually asked them specific questions as far as, you know, damage defense lines. Well, the biggest one they found was front ends of tractors. If you were in hay fields, how much damage, you know, if you start looking at, and you don't think about it because, okay, we had to fix a hay bale or a hay rake, but if you look at it over the past couple of years, why am I spending three times as much on my front ends of my, you know, why are the front end of yeah. my tractor wearing out? Where's tearing them? It, it hit the tearing them bearings all it the pieces. It takes a little time, those. though, yeah. to put it together. That, you, get, you get enough data, all of a sudden you, you see it. Yeah, that's right. Well, and people that don't have them, they don't realize that hog dug that in that Bahia grass field. That's right. And until you hit it with that Kubota running about seven miles an hour, you, you didn't knock your earbuds it. out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, and, and y'all know as, as well as I do. You know, we all plant green fields and, and wildlife food plots, so we know what that cost is. But it, you know, if you're talking about a, a a row crop farmer, which you know Mitt knows that, you know, what's it cost to plant an acre of corn? Yeah. No. You know, you're talking about you know all in. We're talking about you know seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Um, just the seed cost is you know three hundred dollars a bag. And I was in a. Um, and Mitt, they'll wipe them out sometimes. How oh, many, what's the biggest field you ever seen on on that they wiped oh, out? I mean, 60, 80 acres. Yeah, oh, no. a lot of times bigger than that. A lot Just of times smoke bigger them. than that. And and what thing about a hog? You know, when we see a hog in the woods, it looks like very random rooting. Well, you put them in a row crop setting. They going right they're down the road. As straight as any auto steer tractor that we got, right down the road. That inch and a half deep uh, kernel. Don't get away That's from that exactly nose. how deep that tongue is. Yeah. And it, it is amazing <laughs> to watch them go but, down But, you there. know, Jack, I started seeing some. They'll eat the corn after it and wring it after it starts roasting near and everything and come back. Well, they and, come and back to it. So there's a little void in there. After germination, it gets up. You know, there's not a lot of value to them. But then as soon as it gets to that roasting near stage, here they come right back. Um, and, and it's really amazing to, to see that because we're, you know, we'll throw everything in the kitchen sink. We'll have all of Jack's traps and everything. And, and I've seen them walk through on camera, walk through a pile of corn to get to those, get to those roasting ears. And that's sweet. So that yeah. window right there yeah. is hard, hard. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that time of year when, you know, the sweet corn first comes out and you go to the grocery store. Yep. 
Are you going to go get the canned corn from last year on the uh, shelf, or are you going to pick up the yeah, corn that's on the ear that's, you know, when you bite into mm-hmm. it, it's just juicy? That's yeah. a good, that's a good, yeah. So now, good example. now my stomach hurts, and I want to throw up talking about all the, the – I mean, is there any hope, Jack? I mean, can, can you – I guess when you're talking about, you know, uh, reproductive rates that you describe as exponential, I mean, can I – is there any hope to get ahead of them? Yeah, so, so we're having um, – we're having a lot of luck, and there's a lot of a lot of things going on, and we can start getting into some government programs and what the government's doing. And, and uh, you know, fortunately, I'm blessed enough we get to participate in a lot of that. So, you know, let's let's just kind of talk about trapping. Um, you know, most states hogs are considered nuisance animals. You can trap them any time of year you want. You can shoot them at night. You can run them with dogs. You can do kind of whatever you want to do, and then. So, you know, you need to make sure that whatever you're going to do, you're legal in your state. Mm-hmm. Now, then we start talking about methods. First time people get pigs, they're going to shoot them with a daggum deer rifle, and then they're going to decide they need a thermal scope. And so they go out and shoot them at night. And before you know it, you know, uh, you know you've know, you outfitted a, a, a rifle just for pigs at night, and you've got 2000 to $4,000 worth of thermal, and you've got $2,500 in a rifle, and you've got $1,500 in a suppressor. You know, so you're you're eight or nine thousand dollars in, uh, or still you got a hog and problem. still unaffected, and still don't get to sleep because yeah. you got to ride around all night and shoot them. Or you go to you know you go to one of these breeders, these the you know the dog groups. Uh, I was in South Carolina the, not long ago, and you know puppies out there were selling for about ten grand a piece for hog dogs, and I'm going that mm. that's a mixed breed. You know, I'm not going. I'm a dog person. I've spent way too much on some of my pointing dogs, so I'm not going to judge anybody for what they spend on a dog, but. You know, you start talking about ten thousand dollars on a dog that you're gonna throw in there with a wild pig, and you're still up all night. And you, well, yeah, <laughs> well, and, and I mean, but, you're still but what, him what y'all not talking yeah. about is efficacy. Is efficacy? Yeah. And, I was and gonna so say, when you start talking about going? shooting them at night and aggravating them, and I've look, I spent enough time doing all that. All we're doing is aggravating them enough Making to displace move. them off of where we where we're currently you know hunting. And so we ain't that's, fixing that's the problem. Not a solution. That's yeah. right. And, and and we do you know like I said we. We sell traps. We sell cameras. That's what we do. But when you're talking about that landowner that just planted, you know, a three or four hundred acre cornfield, and he calls me and says, "Hey, I got pigs showed up last night. I need some help. I can't help. You know, the trap's not going to solve the problem uh-huh. instantly. So at that time, you know, a lot of times, hey, go out there and shoot them at night. Run them. Run your set of dogs. Yeah. Get them off. Get the crop up and running so that you can make a living." And, and then, then come see me. And then come see me. And some of that goes back to what we've touched on in other podcasts is being a steward of that property. That's and right. Being a student and a steward of it. And you're familiar with that land. And I know some well, people have big up, tracks that they don't lay their eyes on all the time. But, but well, being everything's aware, got timeliness. And so yeah. if you get to that point, you're, you hadn't been timely. That's and it's right. got ahead of you. Yep. Jack, what do you think uh, uh, area, just say they brought you in, and I, I'm just going to throw this. I got 200 acres. Okay. Jack, I got hogs. How big of area will that group of hogs that's giving me the trouble, how, how big an area does he service? That's going to totally depend on what your habitat is. So um, Food availability. I well, guess. Not, not just food availability, just the habitat type. A, a pig can find something to eat. I mean, I've seen them strip the bark off trees when there wasn't enough food on the ground. Right. So, like I said, you don't have to worry about. They're going to make it. He's going to make it. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, what's around. So, you know, you take some of the GPS data that's coming out of the Delta or whatever, you've got pigs that are, that are covering, you know, thousands of acres as kind of their home range. Uh, we did some on the east side of Mississippi. Pigs weren't covering more than about two or 300 acres. Uh, 
you know, it just kind of depends on what's there and what they want to do. You know, they had a they had a daggum boar that picked up and walked about 17 miles in two days just for the heck of it. Wow. You know, there's a lot of times we'll, you know, when we do trapping projects or whatever, uh, if, if there's a GPS, you know, side of it, you know, we'll put a collar on a pig, turn her, you know, turn her loose. We did one right up here outside of Startwolf. She was she walked four miles before she stopped. Matter of fact, went right over next to one of Mitt's pieces of property. Oh, nice, thanks. Jay. Yeah, hung out for about three months and then she came back. You know, and then once she came back, she stayed right there in that area. But like I said, you dropped know, dropped her litter while she was there. Yeah, yeah. probably did. <laughs> well, you know, we like, haven't seen them yet. <laughs> but uh, but you know, that's just it, it's so variable. Um, you know, I've seen pigs that wouldn't cross a hill. I don't know why, but you watch them; they'll walk up the side of the hill and they won't ever go over the top. Yeah. But by gosh, they'll hit the bottom and they'll go two miles down the creek. But they won't go 400 yards over a hill. And, you know, is it a territory thing or just, you know, that's what they want. You know, that's that's some of what we don't know um, about pigs. Uh, unfortunately, they've been studied a lot. We know how they reproduce. We know what they'll eat. You know, they'll eat everything you can imagine, whether you want to save it or not. Um, but as far as, you know, the, the efficiency of removing whole sounders, mm-hmm. which is kind of that that's where you want to be, uh, there's still, you know, a lot of the research – doesn't involve what would I consider true management, which is killing them. Right. You know, and so that's kind of, uh, we're seeing that coming on now. So a lot of the research that's, that's coming out, what is, you know, what, how does this relate to control instead of what are they eating? Who cares what they're eating? How can we target what they're eating to kill them? You know, that's the kind of, uh, so Jack, our listeners explain what a sounder is. Okay. So a sounder is, is a, is a family group of pigs and it's typically, you know, a sow and her, immediate litter sometimes her previous litter so you know a sounder for in mississippi you know our, our average sounder is going to be somewhere 12 to 16 okay. you know in the winter time you'll get two or three sounders that run together and that's when you see you know everybody wants to catch a whole bunch of pigs until you do it one time and then you want to catch 12 or 15 you know if right. you've got 30 or 40 pigs to get out of a it's trap a job, it's a job yeah and and i can tell you this at 30 dollars for y'all's cleaning fee that ain't enough Ugh. i'd pay it every day if i was going to clean one um but anyway so you know we kind of covered dogs and we kind of covered uh you know shooting them at night you know the, the most efficient way is traps now there's a couple of different traps uh types as far as size and everything so you know we, you've got what we classify as a dumb trap that's your box style traps where the pig walks in steps on a cord or, or trips a line and the gate drops on it um, you know, you can catch numbers with those and, and traps are kind of like mouse traps. They'll all catch, but you know, do they catch when you want them to catch and do they catch all of what you want to catch? That's where you start getting into the different styles. Um, you know, you take snares. There's a lot of people that still snare pigs. I'm not a huge fan of snares. They have their place in the world. Uh, but you know, a snare is kind of indiscriminate when it, whatever walks and gets caught in that snare, there it is. And if you're not catching it on a timely matter, or you're not checking your snares real regular, you know, you've, you've killed anything from a potentially deer. a deer, right. a pet, a cow or whatever, something you didn't want to. So, you know, those are kind of, and some States have outlawed snares. Um, you know, now you've got different style net traps. Um, uh, you know, there's some on the market, there's in a sundry sub, you can Google just about any daggum. Uh, forum you want that deals with pigs and somebody will tell you how to make your own net trap you know so those are out there they've got you know they've got their place um they're they're 
sold as like a continuous catch so you can catch one and then another you know you can right. fill them up that does work at times uh the problem is you know these pigs are pretty intelligent so uh we're, we're starting to see trap aversion or they're getting whatever. educated they're getting educated mm -hmm. you know uh net traps are for smaller landowners you know they're not a bad idea if you live close and you can go check it or you can put a cell phone camera on it kind of deal that that works you know there there's been some talk about you know, other animals, non-targets getting caught in the net, whether you're talking about, you know, deer or cows or somebody's dog or whatever. So, you know, anytime you set a trap, whether it's a snare, a box trap, one of our traps, you know, you got to keep an eye on it. Uh, and that kind of led us to, you know, our product, which is Hog Eye Cameras. You know, we, we make a live video feed. We send pictures as notifications. When, the, when a landowner looks at our stuff, they're watching it live. It's real time. You're watching what's going on. You've got control, you know, so you can catch the most. If you're looking for 22 pigs and you've only got 19, you say, hey, I'm going to wait on the last two or three. Or you can say, I'm going to go ahead and catch these 19, and I'm going to send the dogs or the night hunters after the last three. You know, but you're making a an educated decision based on real-time information. So that's kind of – uh, that's why we went to the live video type uh, system. Paul, Paul's right there, Jack. I want you to cover the importance or lack thereof on catching the entire sounder at one drop versus a box trap or something where I'm catching a portion of that sounder and why that's important. Okay. So, you know, the, the research shows entire sounder removal, which is that family group, is the most important. Uh, you know, there's tons of data out there, but – Pretty much the perception is if you don't remove 70% of the population annually from your property, you're not doing any good. You're only maintaining. So Let you, that soak in now. 70%. If you're not taking seven out of every 10 hogs on your track, that's you're just maintaining. That's, that's strong. Yeah. Your population's growing. If you're taking, you know, if you've got 20 and you catch 10, good for you, but you, your population will be bigger next year. I mean, well, it'll be bigger in a few months. So, so that's why is you want to, you know, you set up a camera system, whatever, you know, for surveillance over your bait pile, you've brought a trap in, now you're watching live. And so you know how many pigs are there. You know what you're looking for. Now you can make an educated assessment of what your target is. What is success? At this location, I've seen 35 pigs. My success rate, I want to catch all 35. Am I willing to accept 34? You know, that's up to the individual landowner. It may take you another couple of days to get all 35. Or you may say, hey, I've got time to fool with it. Let me catch the 34, and then I'll come back after number one. That's, you know. that's another important part. I mean, we all got day jobs. And some of these other systems, it ain't no days off. I mean, you got to be checking them. If you got one in there, you got to go get them. And I've, we've been using your system for a long time, Jack. And, and there's been a lot of days that I could have dropped. And I just could not Didn't deal have with the time yeah, to go So I had to wait until the next yeah. night. And so I mean, that's something that's unique about this camera system is that I can in some ways make it a little bit more convenient to fit in my schedule. Well, And that's, you know, let's face it. Everybody's got jobs and everybody's got things to do. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, if your only job is managing that piece of property, you know, if you're a, you're a land manager, you still may have somewhere you got to be tomorrow, you know. So or a tractor to be on or something else to do. That's know? right. You know, and so, you know, the biggest key to any of the success with pigs is is the pre-bait. You got to get pigs coming on bait. Once you get them on bait, don't let them run out. You pretty much want them every day coming to that bait, and you want them relying on it. 
now you can, you know, now you've got options as far as how you want to remove them, traps, whatever. Um, you know, so that's just kind of, now the good thing about our system is, you know, we manufacture cameras for about six different trap companies that deal with pigs. Uh, we manufacture cameras for four or five other trap companies that deal with other things, whether you're talking about exotics or bears or whatever. So, you know, there's not much that that you can design that we haven't seen something or something pretty close. So I don't have a problem with, you know, people, hey, I want to make my own. That's fine. Here, this is what I want you to do, and here's the trigger system. And and you make it however big you want. You know, I, I, we've, we've done pigs up, I mean, uh, pens up to 20 that's acres. That's a good resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and so that's kind of – and it's not just, you know – Everybody looks at the Southeast has got pigs. We've trapped pigs in about eight different countries in about 34 to 36 states now. So, I mean, you know, if if a, if a person can come up with a design, I, I'm all in. Let's try it because I'm always looking for the next one. Well, it's, it's funny what Jack was saying is getting all those hogs at one time because even looking at it on a processing standpoint, like as soon as deer season goes out, we don't keep our skinners in at processing plants. So a lot of guys, I know a guy's got one of your systems, he'll call me and say, Chris, we've got 18 hogs. Can you have me somebody down there tomorrow to clean them? We're going to drop the, we'll drop it tonight. And we'll get them in tomorrow. So that way I can get a couple guys on standby to clean, clean the hogs. And then he'll drop them, kill them, bring them in. And I'm going to tell you something. It is a job cleaning 18 to 20 hogs. I mean, a major job. Anybody that likes to, you know, thinks, oh, yeah, I can clean a deer. Let me tell you something. Grab on that hog. Try and to you, pull that hide down, that cross that armor plate. Let and, me, and you better have a good knife and somebody oh, sharpening knives as you're yeah. doing them. And, I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have never seen a hog trap that, that was on concrete. For some reason, they're always in the mud. The whole <laughs> hog is mud from head to toe. And, it, I mean, it's tough now. I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's funny you say that. I was in a, back this summer, I was in Puerto Rico. And uh, for the first time in my life, I set a hog trap up in a parking lot. Wow. And uh, so we were sitting there, and there was, there was a kid. He was three, four years old on a little push cart, one of them little three-wheel plastic. We're setting the trap up, and he pushes by. And I'm going, this is never going to work. There's no way. We set it up. We poured some corn on it. We drove off 30 minutes later. We caught pigs right there in that parking lot. They, they the were kid used was, to them. Yeah, they were used to them. And I yeah. went. I learn something new every day. <laughs> I learn something day. I think Jack travels more than you, Mitt. <laughs> no line. Look, half hogs will travel. That's, That's Jack's right. motto right there. Yeah. Yeah. Something to trap wherever you go, isn't You know, the funny thing is we got in this business, and so I've got a partner, uh, Robbie Taylor. Like I said, he and I are married to sisters kind of deal. Um, so I got in this and, and kind of coerced him to going into it, and we were just going to do this as kind of something to do on the side. That was our deal. We need a little side. A lot, of great, a lot of great stories. Start Everybody out needs that a way. side hustle. Yeah. A little side hustle, and uh, and it's no longer a side hustle for us. You know, like I said, we've got uh, we've got a team of good folks. Uh, you know, all all of our stuff is manufactured in Mississippi. That's where you know, like I said, kind of kind of plug us just a little bit here. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and I'll put a link in the show notes when we do publishing. Yeah, oh, we'll I, like I said, we'd love to. Can reach out to you. But I mean, you know, our tech support, our production, everything is, you know, is right here, in, you know, in Mississippi. And so, you know, when when you call us, you don't get a you don't get a call center. You get somebody that's probably in the room next door, the guy that actually produced that camera. You don't get that guy from India. 
Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah, well, I wasn't going to say it that way. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like I said, you, you get somebody that that, know, that understands Southern lingo kind of deal. And that's, all, and that's what we do. Like I said, we, we don't, you know, we're not a side part of another company. That's that's who we are. And so, you know, that's really important. And and, and like, you know, Mitt said, he and I have done a lot of business together over the years. And, and um, you know, we know what our systems will do. And so, you know, a year and a half ago, we went from a one-year warranty to a four-year warranty. And everybody said, how you do that? Well, by golly, we've good stuff. Working. Yeah. <laughs> we've been in business it's for eight working. years. Yeah, I'm right. looking, you know, yeah. if it doesn't tear yeah. up in the first six months, it's going to run like crazy, you right. know, until you break it, burn it yeah. up in a... Hog proof and redneck proof. That's right. Well, you know, the redneck proof, it always amazes me that, you know, because these camera systems are not cheap. You know, the, the way people find it, tear them up kind of deal. Uh, you know, I've had them shot. I've had them burned up, thrown out of pickup trucks and whatever, you know, sw- yeah. you know, let them sink. So, so like I said, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, but, but let's get back to, to actually killing pigs. Um, you know, and, and so when you start talking about smart traps, you know, you got panel traps and then you've got suspended traps. So suspended traps, the whole thing comes up and drops down panel traps you know it's just like a regular old cattle panel and it's got you know one gate up to however many we've done as many as 10 gates uh you know and that starts getting into personal preference um you know suspended traps i I do have a an affinity for those because if a if somebody's new to pig trapping they don't they don't make your mistake cost you near as much you make a mistake with a panel trap it's going to cost you four or five days to get that pig back in there um you make a mistake with a suspended trap you know, you drop it and you didn't get them all and you realize a lot of times you can go in there and kill those pigs, raise it back up, and, you know, 12 hours later, you've got that last one. Yeah, so I would say it's probably a little bit more than personal preference because I've, I've got some experience with both of them and just making observations that I'm making, these these panel traps is something about, especially some of these older, more mature hogs, and if especially if they've ever been around any other traps, that makes them leery. They, they and, smell a rat. Yeah, they do smell a rat. And so w- the way Jack is getting around that is putting more gates up, make it more open. And so that just leans and gives evidence to those suspended traps. When a hog can walk up and he's looking 360 degrees at eye level, there's, there's nothing impeding him. And so we're seeing that when we set those bait sites, and I've even actually set up without pre-baiting, put a suspended trap up the first time that corn's in that location is under a trap and I'm catching first night. And so that just get as testimony to, you know, I don't have to have any, you know, you get up used to the traps, to condition the, the traps and, and where you, you might have to, when I was running the panel traps with just one door, um, it, the conditioning was very, very important. Jack, yeah, I remember are Jack. You, are, when you we first selling, are you selling this. more of the traps that drop on people? I mean, that drop on them. We well, try not to drop them on people. Yeah, Chris, right. We try to drop them on hogs. But. <laughs> I was thinking about Spider Man or something. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking about. So you know, it it um, it depends. You know, like I said, right now price point, you know, is drives a lot of it. Um, but I would say overall, probably the suspended trap um, out of one company that that we that we represent. Uh, they sell more, probably two to one. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a lot of people don't know, so they come to us. They've seen us. They, they, you know, hey, I want your camera system, and this, we get this all the time. I want your camera system, and I need a trap. Now, which trap do you recommend? So, you know, now you start looking at what what's good for the landowner. You know, where is he located? Because you know these things are not small. They got to get on a truck and go somewhere. So. 
you know, sometimes we make that call and we give that person options and we can tell them, you know, I've got guys that work for me that, that, that do trap. I mean, you know, like I said, they trap on the side or they do trapping projects with us. We don't do near as many as we used to. So, you know, I've got people that have real hand experience and they can tell you the difference between a panel trap and a drop trap and what they like. You know, and, and it's kind of funny because I've got one guy that loves panel traps and I've got another guy he thinks suspended traps is, you know, going to save the world. And, I, you know, hey, that, that's his opinion. He's he's developing a, a relationship with that landowner. And so, you know, he still knows enough that he can talk through, you know, and like I said, help that landowner make an educated decision. The biggest problem that, that we see is people will fall in love with a trap. This is the best trap. This is the only trap. This is what I use. And by golly, it's the breast. Part of it is justification because they spent their money on it. I, I get that. But also, you know, if you start talking about trap manufacturers, I make the best, and that's it. There is no best. There's no silver bullet, you know. Um, you get somebody that's been running a panel trap, a drop trap's going to, you know, make a make a huge dent in a hurry. But you get people that have been running drop traps forever, a lot of times you can move in there with a panel trap. Like you said, that pig hasn't seen that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is, that's the biggest thing about all this is, you know, there's not a silver bullet that's going to get us out of this. And, you know, you take a landowner that wants to start trapping, he can control his population at a local level. You can trap the pigs off your piece of property. I don't care how bad your problem is. I mean, I've we did a project, landowner had 6,000 acres, we pulled 1,100 pigs off. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a pretty significant how long population. Would, how long would span of time? About 14 about? months. Wow. You know, now he's got landowners around him that aren't doing anything, so they're back feeding. Yeah. But it got to where, and that was with two traps. You know, it got to where you couldn't hardly find a pig on his property. That's awesome. Well, he decided he was going. You know, hey, I'm just going deer hunt this year. I'm not going to worry about the pigs. He put the traps in the barn. When mm -hmm. turkey season got through, he went right back to trapping. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you can't. You, so when you talk about can you control this? Yes, you got to stay on. You got to stay on the throttle. You got to stay on them, and you got to work with you know. Even when you're doing management, y'all y'all talk about deer management all the time. The yeah, best and, thing you and do, working with your neighbors, neighbors, work with your neighbors. You know, yeah. the best thing in the world is somebody that'll work with you. This you know this got pigs, because if he'll if you'll work with him and help him control his pigs, you won't ever have pigs. Well, Jack, you say it, that it, it, because. I'm taking that philosophy. So I've got some tracks that I don't have hogs on and they're hogs in close proximity to me. I've invested my money with on my traps to be trapping on them so I won't them get with the their hogs. problem. That's right. And and that is that but, has been very effective. But Jack, even if a landowner, just say if you got and we tell You don't want to leave my tunnels on. If, if you've no. heard this podcast, we tell listen, you're you're gonna work better working with your neighbors. I don't care if it's a deer turkeys anything especially hogs but if and i've seen landowners where two or three landowners will put in money together and buy at one of y'all's traps yeah and they will and use it okay they share trap sharing what we'll call it yeah but that but smart because you know it's a pretty good investment but you know one of them a trap for a while here then they'll go and then for long you, they got such a good relationship and not only did they but they've they've insulated their place because they're catching them all the way around them i mean you, like you said jack just because you catch them in the middle if you don't get some insulation around you they coming back oh yeah they yeah. in a hurry and then i mean what are you thinking what, what's your timeline when you trap how long did it take that when you took that 1100 hogs off at six thousand acres how long did it take hogs to come back well it's you know we basically you know shut it down going into deer season 
And so it lasted yeah, deer season. Months. Tur- and then deer season. Well, wow. it went through turkey season. So yeah. six months. Now, it wasn't quite as bad, but, you know, places where we've seen people go in and trap them completely out and then walk away from and you come back a year, year and a half later. Yeah, something brought them there. It's worse than it was. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. So they'll backfeed and, and basically overpopulate and then settle back down. So you got to kind of. You know, the the biggest thing is well, they push each other out. As, as bigger the population gets, they that, push more more territory. That's right. It's it's kind of you know like deer. Creating deer. vacuum yeah. is what you've done. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And and that vacuum, a lot of times, you know, it when it comes in, it comes in like a so. Theory. All right, Jack. I'm a I'm a landowner. I've got hogs, or my neighbor's got hogs, and I'm I'm thinking through the, the traps. Walk with me the, through the pros and cons of different styles as it relates to different landowners and kind of how these landowners are choosing the traps. Cause I know my personal experience when I first got in it, bigger was better, you know, and, and I, I'm now I'm running the smallest trap y'all make y'all manufacture. And so it, it's, it's been interesting what I've learned and the way that I'm using those tools was is completely counter to the way that I started my, my thought process. That's right. Um, so we don't fool with anybody or any traps that can't be put up in less than 30 minutes. If I can't take a single person and put that trap That's together important. in 30 minutes, then we don't fool with it. Because what we've seen over, you know, like I said, nearly 10 years of doing this, if it takes an hour to move it, they're going to do it about twice, and it's going to the barn. An hour. Um, My first trap was T-post drivers, um, wire pliers jack it was a miserable mess yeah and so you take like a a a panel trap that that's fairly easy you know it just goes together and drop with pins you know you can put together a panel trap with a 25 to 30 foot diameter in less than 10 minutes yeah we put one together out in front of the extension office that night yeah Mm. like i said and then you take a suspended trap which is you know what you like they take about 15 20 minutes whether you're putting it up or taking it down you got to keep it light, you know, and it's always a it's always a balance, and that's what I tell these trap manufacturers. It's a balance. You want the trap strong enough to hold a pig, but you want it light enough somebody's willing to move it. You know, if you're looking at government contracts, you can't have a single piece that weighs over seventy five pounds. You know, if you do that, the government starts fussing at you. So that's kind of you know, it's always how light can we make it and still make it effective and last two, three, four years, and you know, or do you just make it heavy? Like you said, a lot of people started off, they would build these permanent places, drive T-posts, tie wire to trees, whatever, and just move a gate, a gate and a camera. And we still see that. And that's a permanent trap. Okay, once every six months, you go by, put some bait in it, pigs show up, you put a camera in a gate, and you catch them. That's really not an effective way to do it. The, you know, the biggest thing that I tell landowners when they're getting ready to start trapping is identify where the pigs are on your property and identify where you can get the pigs. That That's your important property. that you don't often think about. And I've made that mistake. How to get them trap out. Trap location. That's right. And we think about trap location. It doesn't matter where. We're going to put the trap on the hogs. Uh-uh-uh. There's, yeah. You can put it in a spot that is, is no You can't fun. get to yeah. them. Yeah. Well, and I tell landowners that all the time. Take an extra week or 10 days to bait those pigs to a spot you can get a truck to or you can get a tractor to. Because if important. you've got 30 pigs, you don't want to drag them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, like you said, you've never seen a pig come in that wasn't muddy and nasty. Oh, so, tough. you know, they, these things, they like mud and, and they're going to create mud, you know. And so that's, you know, you pick a location that, that that's accessible. Trapping's a lot of work and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about pig trapping, coyote, you know, y'all know, y'all have all caught mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it's a commitment. It is a commitment. 
So the easier you can make that commitment, the better off and more successful you're going to be. If you're a large landowner and you've got people working for you, the easier you make it for the people that work for you, the more successful they're going to be. You can tell that guy to your blue in the face, go catch those pigs. But if he's got to walk a trap 100 yards down in the woods, he's not going to do it. I mean, you know, or he's going to come up some excuse. That's going to be the last thing yeah. he does. So you got to make it, you know, it's already a lot of work, so make it as easy. I like to, you know, I'm, I'm getting on up there in age and put on a pound or two. I, I'd, I'd like to. You want to work smarter, not harder. A lot. Yeah, but his <laughs> hair still looks good. Look at him. He may look like about an 85 Kenny Rogers, but it looks good. Um, I, I'll tell you this about a hog, and I didn't know, and we're talking about the destruction of the land. But I was watching seven or eight, ten deer in a field. And a hog come out in a lane, two or three of them. And they were 200 yards away at least. And those deer run, just run off that field like they were on fire. I mean, it, it bothers me. It, it, they will harass the deer off of a place. You seeing that, Jack? You seeing oh, a lot yeah. of that? We see it all the time. We, we know they eat up all the acorns. Yeah, so that goes to one of the things I want to talk about. And to me, so we talked about the cost of hogs and damage and crop damage and land damage and equipment damage. What I think is harder to quantify, but but goes along what we talked life. about some is in these recreational values and these tracks. If all of a sudden they've displaced where you had turkeys, so all of a sudden you're not hearing the turkeys and you got a hog problem and, and your deer hunting is different. So they're competing for food, they're competing for resources, and all of a sudden it's not where these desirable native species want to be. I mean, how big is that? Oh, it's huge. You know the. Um the, the recreational value you put on property, there's no way to quantify that because, you know, what's it worth for your daughter to kill a 180-inch deer on a piece of property that you're managing? You can't put a number on that. Yeah, that's right. That's you know, priceless. I mean, you know, that's that's it. And so, you know, that goes back to the landowner goals. But, yes, the hogs are going to displace native wildlife. They're going to compete for food. There's no doubt about it. We're running into, you know, we hogs. talk about nesting, disrupting turkey nesting, any quail, any ground nesting bird. If a know. hog will dig four foot down to eat a grub. You know he'll eat an egg. He'll, he'll wear an he egg. He likes out. old fried egg pretty good, I imagine. <laughs> but but they just don't. They I'm telling you, y'all, being a timber man, a hickory nut's the hardest nut in the woods, okay? Nothing but a, but a squirrel will gnaw it. A hog can crack that hickory nut. And I've watched them and eat them, every one of them. I mean, they 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 can they can destroy. They'll suck a, a saw, you know, a swamp chestnut acorns. They'll suck them up like a vacuum cleaner. Well, they smell better than a deer can. Right. They know what's going on. You know, their 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 vision's pretty pretty terrible, uh, but their sense of smell is 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 pretty daggum stout. Yeah. Um, and, and they so, wise up pretty quick too. You bump them around a little bit, they're sort of like a deer. They, they don't. You, they're not yeah. going to leave your property, but they they'll evade that gun or your hunting if, if you're just making a half cocked effort to hunt them. They're, they're wise up to you pretty quick, and right, they, so they respond I, to that pressure. I guess no doubt. All right, I'm I'm ready to move past all the reasons why I don't want them. Y'all done beat that horse in the ground. I want to know how to get rid of them, Jack. So now we got the, we've decided on the trap that we want. What's my strategy? How, how am I going to manage those traps on my track to be the most effective, be the as fi- efficient as I yeah, possibly can? Is there can? a system? Yeah, let's talk about the <laughs> yeah, system. All right, so so the whole guy system, the, the whole guy, the the methodology. There you go. Okay. So um, here's how we do it. So if we're going to help a landowner, we're going to set up three bait stations. We're going to have the one that's the trap will be at. 
which is typically the one we get pigs on first, and we're going to have two more. So that as soon as we catch, hopefully we've got pigs on bait somewhere else. There's a lot of people that just, you know, they'll go bait a spot, put a trap out, catch pigs, and then move the trap, set it up, put some corn out, put some bait out. When pigs show up, I'm going to catch them. We try to attack a place a little more viciously, you know, so we're going to come in two or three weeks. You know, a landowner said, hey, I've got pigs. I need some help. Okay. We're going to look at this piece of property, kind of, you know, how bad is your problem? If it's serious, you know, uh, you know, a trap will handle a thousand acres pretty easy. Uh, it'll handle 3000 acres. If you're talking about row crop land, if you got timber land and you're eat up with pigs, a, a trap won't handle 500. So, you know, if we're going to help a landowner, we move in, we're going to pre-bait. We've got, you know, deer cameras, game cameras set up, you know, I hate get to say your intel. Get you, pre-bait intel. What, you pre-bait with corn. Yeah, corn's about the easiest thing we've found. We've, okay. we've tried souring and all that stuff, and, you know, before you know it, the back of your truck smells like rotten corn or, you know, oh, yeah. whatever. You know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff out there, and a lot of it stinks. Yeah. And so, anyway, we're going to set a trap up. We're going to catch pigs as fast as we can. But I'm not going to move that trap until I've got pigs in another bait station. A lot of people go set a trap up, catch pigs, take the trap down. Why? You know, you're you're fishing. Keep bait at it. Keep going. You know, if you don't have pigs on another location, just let it sit out there and run. Keep it baited. Because there's pigs, like I said, they've got a real strong sense of smell. So if they've been at a spot, even if you killed the pigs in the trap, there's other pigs coming to check it out if they're in the area. So, like I said, we don't move traps until we've got somewhere to go. Uh, so it, instead of, you know, don't double the workup, sit right there and keep catching. Now, as soon as we've got something, we catch the pigs. Hey, we, you know, we were we had 17 on camera. We caught 17. But we've got pigs over here. I don't care if there's only five pigs over there. That trap's going to those five pigs. So that's where we see is is, if, is keep moving and don't wait on the pigs come to you. Go to them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, just take the, take the fight to them because if you wait on them, they're going to eat you alive. Yeah. So and now I want to move into a section we call in myth busters. And there's a bunch of preconceived notions out there about and, and Chris, you kind of touched on one, is what we're using for bait. Everybody's got this secret recipe. Sour your corn for a week. Diesel fuel this, corn. Yeah, I haven't heard this. it all. Yeah. Is anything, especially when you're talking about pre-bait on a site that never, you know, hogs aren't frequenting already, and do you see any advantage, Jack, to sweetening the pot up, if you will? So, so we've done it at times. Um you know, we actually used to have a product that, unfortunately, you know, COVID inflation made it too expensive to make. It, we we didn't think the benefit was enough to keep doing it at that I point. I like y'all's name. Yeah. And, and like I said, and that product, you know, it may come back as prices come down. At the end of the day, for the effort, it's real hard to beat a whole grain corn. You know, Man, man I, I really love corn myself. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you've got apples or, you know, it's, you know, you, you you're going to Vardaman and there's a bunch of, you know, sweet there, there's nothing wrong with getting sweet potatoes. Now, I have seen it where if you put sweet potatoes or apples or fruit in a new area where pigs have never seen it, they're not real keen on, right. on coming to it. Not so I got to be there. to that too. Yeah. 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 So like I said, so we kind of, uh, corn is, is pretty much universal. Uh, universal. And now, it's easy. A bag, 50 pound bag of corn is easy to tote. Right. It, well, it is. I mean, now, here's the problem with corn. And, and this is, I'll just mention it. And, and I don't want to get into it because I know your feelings sure. on it, and then you'll right. go into rages of <laughs> panic DTs. <mode. laughs> yeah, yeah just start falling out. He just he's sitting up. Yeah. yeah man. <laughs> so whenever you start dealing with uh, you know chronic wasting, 
right? There's certain rules that apply to baiting pigs on chronic wasting. And so, you know, wow. and okay. that's... Uh, yeah, and that's a good reminder. You're in a lot of areas. That's you, right. You're dealing regulations in a lot of different areas that are site specific, things. and that's well, a you good got reminder. Know you'll get a ticket. That's yeah, a good reminder a big to ticket. the listener, right? It's, yeah, it's, and so that's you know that goes back to know the rules of trapping. You can pretty much you know most states in the southeast you can kill them like you want when you want, but some most of them you have to have at least a hunting license. If you're in a CWD zone, a lot of them you have to permit your trap or tell them what you're doing. Or you can't pre-bait. Now, that's one thing, you know, we've run into here in Mississippi is you can't pre-bait in a CWD zone. You have to put a trap up there to be putting corn, you know, out. So that's, you got to know your rules. There's nothing wrong with telling, you know, game and fish what you're doing. It, communicate just, with just them. Just communicate with them. That, you know, they're not out there just to write you a ticket. Yeah, they they're don't not, like hogs either. No. Like I said, they, they understand most of them, you know. So, you know. But you got to know what you're doing. You know, Tennessee's got different rules than Mississippi, and Alabama's got different rules than us. And so, you know, Florida's it. You know, so like I said, you get into, uh, you, you get you better know what you're doing because every now and then you'll run across somebody that's going to make a point, and mm-hmm. and that you don't want to be you that don't want to be that example. You yeah. don't want to be that example. You know, I, I'd rather see somebody make a mistake than make it myself. It's sort of like that ski boat. <laughs> it's kind of like that ski boat. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like I said, that that's getting back to that. Um, each piece of property is different. So, so you gotta, and, and that is one benefit I have seen, and, and this is getting into, you know, my roots as a land manager, when people find pigs on their property, all of a sudden they start paying attention to their property. Mm-hmm. They're walking it, they're looking. And so there's a lot of times I'm walking around with a landowner, hey, I got pigs here or whatever. And it's the same notion because I used to do a good bit of, you know, wildlife consulting type work. What do you think about this? All of a sudden now, you know, a piece of property they've just owned went out there and shot a deer with. Now they're looking at developing a management plan or what else can I do? Yeah, what about my trigger. green field? That's that trigger they it's got them looking at. You know, yep. if, if I just let this property sit here, it's going to get eaten by pigs and be a, be a thicket. But I can do something else or, you know. That's when, you know, That's a lot of times, you know, I send them to, you know, like I said, Mitt, Mitt and, and Lee, who who they've got a, a, a real good deal. I've sent a lot of landowners to them. And, and some of those landowners came from, I'm out there looking for pigs with them. Well, you know, hey, I'd like to spray this pine ticket or I need burning. Well, I just happen to know a guy. Yeah, just right. being around. Yeah, them. that's right. Well, and, I and think but, the landowner standpoint, all of a sudden they've got to spend some money. Yep. So when you start spending money, you don't want to throw good money at bad. So if you're going to spend money then you're not going to spend that money and then walk away. So now you've got to, you've got look, to maximize the value but of what you're having like to do. But that's kind of like this podcast we've said, walk your property. Know your property, and then you're going to know where the hog problems are. You're going to know how to get somebody like Jack or Mid in there. Hey, this this road, you can come up this side or we can go through a neighbor. Knowing your property is, is the number one thing as far as the, the best wildlife management tool. Yeah, and, and why did you buy it to start with, right? You know, there's some people that it's just purely investment, but most of us own property because we want to. You know, that that's a that's a unique ability that we have to buy right. a piece of property and manage it how we want to right. and manage wildlife. I want to cool. I want to go back to some more myth busters, Jack. I okay. tell them myth. So the the number one myth that I had when I before I started uh, trapping that people would tell me is you can't catch them twice in the same spot. If you put blood in that trap, they will not come back to that spot. You got to move the trap. True or false, Jack? (laughs) Now, you know, and that's a regional thing. 
We, we, I see that in regions, and, and, and there's been— You see that, that theory in region, or you see that being reality in region? That theory. Okay, gotcha. So, um, you know, I was always taught you, you don't argue with your elders. Yep. And so when, when, there, when there's an older gentleman that's born and raised on that farm his whole life, and he tells me, if I shoot a pig in there, I'll never, a pig will never come in it. What's the point in me arguing with that fella? That's right. He's been thinking that way for 75 or 80 years. There's, yeah. there's no way I'm going to win. Reality, my, what do you think? So It ain't what he thinks. <laughs> in, in, in my experiences, it does not make a difference. My, figured, yeah. my largest, I guess I would say, multiple catch in one spot was I dropped a trap four times in 32 hours in one place, killed 69 pigs, and shot every one of them dead in that – and they every one of them bled in that daggum spot. So it was red. It was red. So I've yeah. got another story on that. And so and, and mine's not very far from here. So we caught fifty six in seven no six nights and dropped every night. Mm-hmm. Every night. And we the scent was everywhere. Scent, and I don't want to be too graphic on this podcast, sure. but there was blood hand deep. Yeah, red in that trap. I'm red. talking about red. Yeah. And we dropped it every single night. And so, you know, thinking about the, the – and this is something, too, I want to move into. I, I want to continue on this Mythbusters mm-hmm. and also the tricks of the trade, things that you've learned that, that are really interesting that could put a trapper a few steps ahead. And so one thing that – and you and I talked about this strategy, Jack, when I dropped that, that six times in six nights, those, those sounders, it was several different family groups. And so with Intel, I had Jack tell me, look, be watching for these opportunities. It'll it had some coming in at seven o'clock, some coming in at eight o'clock, some coming in at twelve o'clock, some coming in at four o'clock. Well, what I did is I started with the last sounder, dropped on him, knowing there was another not another sounder coming in that night. Went in the next morning, took care of them. The next night I dropped on the next to the last sounder. And I worked backwards through that, and we dropped six nights in a row, 56, and then no other hogs on all my other bait stations, cameras, nothing after the six nights. And I know that's an exception to the rule, but that was a success story, and it taught me a lot. Well, you couldn't that. have done that without that system. No doubt about that's it. That's right. But that and live that, camera feed, that, that gave you the, the, the ability, like you said earlier, to make that informed decision, and that's, that's huge. Well, and that's what, you know, like we're not the only people that make live feed systems. I'd like to think we were. I'd like to think we're the best, and I, and I pretty much know that. You're the only that. one in Startville, aren't you? I'm not, yeah, I'm the only one in Startville for darn sure. But, you know, the, and that's what I tell folks. Get a system. Watch what's going on. You can learn more by sitting there at night watching your cell phone, no watching those pigs, how they interact with each other, and how they interact around that trap. And if you just don't, don't catch the <clears> – <throat> Don't catch the first one. Let it go. Be patient. Patience is, you know, that's something we don't have in this world today. But if you're going to trap pigs and be successful, you better have some patience. And you better know what you're doing. Because you only get one chance at the first shot. You know, it's kind of like deer hunting. First in rule. So, Jack, to your point on uh, being patient, I know what I found that's been a big advantage to me is when I do get a consistent sounder coming in there, I may choose to watch them. For two or three days because there's been a time or two to where there was a, a, a lagger that I may had six coming to the trap that first couple nights and then number seven or eight showed up on night three 
that I wouldn't have captured if I'd have dropped that first night. So that's, you know, difference in philosophy and, and, and the strategies on trapping. But I know that being patient has, has gained me a few more hogs in the past by, by watching that. And, and it will, like I said. And that's where your, your pre-bait, you know, pre-bait for us, 10 days, two weeks kind of deal. I've set, I've set bait out and had pigs come in on it that night. And you're like, heck yeah, let's go. But I try to have a good idea and give enough time, like you said, for those stragglers. To get that intel. To get that intel. Now, this time of year, you know, we're, we're coming out of deer season. Food's kind of short. You know, you'll see two or three sounders run together. You know, the, the ones that were two hours apart. Because pigs are pretty consistent. When they come to a bait site, you've seen that like you were talking about. That's the reason you can start at the end and work your way backwards. They're consistent. If they're coming to a bait site 9 o'clock at night, there's a pretty good chance they're going to be there from 8 to 10 every night. That's just kind of, as long as that bait's there and nothing else changes. People say, well, my pig's changed. Something else changed. Did a dog run they through? Did somebody come, you know, mm-hmm. did, did somebody them. run in there squirrel hunting? You, you don't know, you know, well, it's private land. Well, how many times have you seen wild dog or, you know, a daggum house dog? I got some on through? camera today. Yes, five point went off today. I had <laughs> yeah, a couple had, of dogs, had a couple of labs and going in front of the camera. So, so you don't know, you know, and there's, there's a lot of different, you know, theories on, you know, what makes a pig move, leave an area, and how far, how long before it comes back? And that's, that's it's always a notorious flood. Mm-hmm. Every time you know a flood gets blamed on moving pigs around, probably more than anything, other that, than a redneck in the back of a Z seventy one. Well, that's that's true. But Jack and I heard you say it's a while ago. They are an intelligent animal, correct? Oh yeah, very. They, they look they look rough. They look dumb. Yeah, it's just like that guy yeah. sitting in front of you in he, class. He yeah. looks dumb, but he really is. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they'll uh, they'll catch on to you pretty quick, and they'll pattern you real quick. You know, so so yeah, you know, the intelligence. Some people say it. You know, it's equivalent to like a three year old, something like that. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I've seen pigs learn a lot quicker than some <laughs> of the three year olds I've been around. Yeah. And I think that's why you're not really going to make a meaningful dent in getting. If if your goal is to get them off of that property, you're probably not going to do it with a bullet. Right. No. Because they're you're going to act like yeah, that. Yeah. You, you just can't. I mean, yeah. you know, so, we we did a we we did a little project uh, in another state. They had a pocket of pigs showed up. I think there was 33, 36 pigs. They said, "Hey, we're going to catch these." All right, let's go catch them. We sent them some equipment. Hey guys, when are you gonna turn it on? Well, we got to get all the paperwork. And we got to get our stuff. So by the, you know, it took them about four months, and we knew exactly how many pigs were in that group. And I think it was seventy six. What they end up catching in that spot? There's no other pigs around. I mean, it was an isolated population. Somebody brought them in. They started kind of deal. We're gonna hammer them. So that's what you know. That's what I'm saying is you you better you yeah. better mo- know what you're doing and move on. Mm-hmm. Don't wait on them. So Mythbuster number three. If I have a hog that watches that trap fall on his buddies, I will never have another opportunity at him. No. Um, that corn's too good for him. Any myth that says never, I'm going to say is. That's not <laughs> true. Right? That's, that's, yeah, that's, right that's, that's too absolute. Jack, their, their will to eat. I always say false. <laughs> their will to have something to eat in February, will it overcome the little fear of the trap? It sure will. You know, And, and that all is based on, like you said, it, springtime, you're going to have a hard time. But, that pig yeah. will go back in a trap. Yeah. Uh, suspended traps, that's where we see them really shine. You talking about a panel trap or a box trap with a single small gate? You, you're in trouble. It's, you just you're fixing to feed a lot of stuff by the time you catch him. Now, if you've got multiple gates or whatever, and so I'm not going to say it's never, but I will tell you it, it does have an influence on them. And if you do it enough, you're going to educate them. And that's the right. problem. 
you know, everybody says, well, you know, we educated that pig. The problem's not if you educate that sow. It's if that sow's educated and she starts educating her sounders or her litters before you have a chance to catch them. You know, pigs are pretty vocal. So, you know, and we've seen it and we, we've done recordings of it and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I've seen sow, I've seen piglets running up to a trap and a sow stand back and kind of go to barking sound at them a little bit. Sound alarm off. Everybody turns around and leaves and you go, what just happened? She just yeah. trained them. What's she that maternal them. instinct? Yeah. yeah. So I've got two extreme stories on that. I've got one. We're talking about can you, can you, you know, trap the same hog twice? I had one, and this has only happened once. And I, I, matter of fact, I've heard of that happening before and, and jack you'll have some stories on that too or folks that, or the, the the hogs that jump out of these traps i've had one since we've been doing this and that dude would jump out of that trap like a deer after i dropped it raise it back up reset my bait he'd get in there again drop it again he'd jump out the next three nights in a row he would come in there walk right in i'd drop him and he'd finish eating, and when he got ready to leave, he'd jump out. <laughs> so, I mean, it didn't bother him a bit. That, that shows you his smartness. Yeah. That's right. You know, and that's um, – there's not a commercially made trap on the market that I don't have a video recording from a hog eye camera of a pig jumping out or going under. Yeah. It's – you know and you can't cover the top right no so yeah by law like i said uh, for us we got to be 50 percent open i don't think it would matter you know there there's a somebody didn't know better and they're listening to it they say well just you gotta get one with the top on it's not that simple it's not uh, yeah that that goes back to you better be legal that's right uh you know for us it's it's deer and bears but bears got to be able to get out and deer's got to be able to get out so but you know yeah, they're going to jump. And I don't want to mislead the, the, the listeners. I've trapped hundreds of them, and I've only had that one. Yeah, you got, you always going to have that Geronimo. Right. That's right. You know, Michael Jordan. That's yeah. exactly what I tell folks. You know, that, that there is a Michael Jordan. There's somebody that can do it. I don't care what, you know, right. there's yeah. people that scale mountains without a rope. There's no way I'd even go up the mountain, much less scale the side of it. So, right. you know, that, that happens. Us in the southeast, we see it's about one out of every 300. That's mm-hmm. about what we see where you're going. And, and you can see, you know, most of the time it's when you catch – a single or or two boars, you know, that are not not huge boars, but you know they're that athletic, twenty something year old male. By golly, I'll show you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you know, and most of the time it's it's during the day, so you know, like I said, pigs don't see very see, well. That's they right. can see that rail. Now we got a target. Yeah, they can see freedom too. That's right. And, On the and, other beyond that trap, that's and that's where point. I'm going. And, and yeah. you know, and if they can get their front shoulder over, they can sit they there. Coming. They coming. And that's a good point too. Is is that sun creates some anxiety. Big time. And so when that sun starts coming up, you need to be you need to be on site. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. they know they're not supposed to be out That's in right, that yeah. open in you know in the daylight, and, and yep. especially if they're by themselves or only have one buddy. Yep. Uh, now we have seen it. You know, if you get a, a a large sounder, you know, if you caught thirty pigs in a trap or you caught fifteen or twenty, we've seen them run up in the corner of a trap, and all of a sudden one of them will back up, run, jump on the back of others, and go over the top. I've seen that in a, in a daggone <laughs> pen that was eight foot tall. I mean, you know, so it's just kind of. Chris, we've got a mutual buddy that I've seen that on those net traps where the, all the hogs would stack up on one side. And I've seen them, I'm talking about leapfrog right out of there, one, two, three, four, just leaving there. 
Well, it not be awesome if we could see which one drove straws first. <laughs> <laughs> Who's back they going to jump on? Yeah. So, look, before we lose Chris, the processor man, let's go with another myth about about the meat, about a boar hog or something about the meat not being good, Chris. What, what can you say about that? Look, I, that myth number four, I think, myth, okay. they come in and said, they'll bring them in there, Jack, about 50, 60 pounds. Ooh. And, and they'll, say, uh, they'll say, man, we had a huge boar. We drug that joker and threw it in the creek. I said, man. It's as good a meat as any of them, and he said, "Oh no, they're they're ter- terrible. No, they're really not. Let me let me tell you why. We run that thing through that grinder three times. Okay, he ain't tough after we run him through that grinder. We take all. And one thing about a hog, and Jack, you know this, they're full of glands. Yeah. So we take the glands. They have two sets of glands in their hindquarters. They have a set of glands up around their front shoulders. We take those glands out. It's just like mitt." The hogs that you grew up growing. I mean, it, it, it's no people say that, but I'm telling you from a processor standpoint, you bring a 50-pound hog into a processor, you're going to be very, very disappointed in the meat because it ain't going to be it ain't gonna be 15 pounds, if that. Yeah. It, it, you take that big head and that big neck and that big armored plate because even all of them's got the big shoulders. Yeah. The meat, you know, and they got little narrow butts in the in the hind quarters of them, but the biggest hogs, because you're gonna you're gonna do two things with hogs, you're gonna make breakfast sausage, number one, hot breakfast sausage killer, and you're gonna make a type of smoked sausage. Now we have had this year, Jack, people getting summer sausage made out of them. I, I'm kind of a little leery, but they say they love it. But you know, all of that we grind that thing three times, so we're grinding it with seasoning. We're taking out those glands, Brent. So we're taking out what's the, you know, the stoutness of it. And, and it gets back to what you're talking about, money. Whether it's a 50-pound one or a 250-pound one, you're still going to charge you $30, $35 to, to dress it, to clean it. And they're still yeah, you're losing a little bit there probably. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do a lot and, of it. And I can't tell you why, I just because the way they're shaped, but a 150-pound deer will yield you 20 to 25 more percent meat than a 150-pound hog. Oh, no doubt. The bone structure. Bone structure. 100%. Bone you hit it right on the back. And, and you tell people that, and they're like, oh, you get me. No. A hog looks bigger. He's puffy. But his bones are big. They're hollow. They're, they're built totally different. And uh, But, but yeah, Brent, to get that back on. Now, we do take the uh, back strap, what we call the back straps, and we'll we'll cube them, make like a like a pork cutlet. It'd be like a you know a, pork, a boneless pork yeah. chop with, with some stuff in it. But... Uh, yes, Brent, they do, and that is a myth, a hundred percent. And I'm not just trying to get you one. Myth busted. I get myth one. Busted. It's good I meat. get one it's good every sausage. year. Some of my buddies, Hollis gets me one. Sometimes I get him get me one. I want the biggest one they kill. That's the one I want to make sausage of, because I know I can make more out of it. You get for the value proposition. The That's time right. you spend skinning, you're gonna get enough meat just. That's right. It. But do you eat them, Jack? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean they're. Now, now I don't want one medium rare. No, no, that, that trick that, that, that uh-uh. hadn't bred the, the was no. it trichinosis, trichinosis uh-uh. out of that. That 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 uh wild hog sushi is not probably not that good. <laughs> no. but it, it they are really 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 good. Yeah. I mean I, I got people right now. I could. It's funny. I've got a waiting list for people wanting hogs right now. Want one? Want one? So anyway, Brent, that's a that's a, a pretty good zeal there. Well, Jack, what uh. What have we not asked? You got the microphone, and you do this for a living. This is this is your 
uh, this is your area. What have you seen other places, or, or what 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 have we not asked that's important to get across? So that you know, there's um, there, there's a we've covered a lot. You know, if somebody sits down and they got a pretty good idea uh, of, of of what this looks like, and what this is going to take. So there's a couple of things that, that I do want to cover. You know, what is uh, what is the government doing? You know, everybody says this is, you know, it's a government problem, whatever. And I want to start by saying government's got a lot of good trappers, you know, and, and they do a lot of good and they take a lot of pigs off the property, you know, off the landscape. But the government can't fix this. You know, there's landowners that don't want them on their property. There, there's not enough of them. You know, this this is going to take, you know, th this is your property. You're going to have to manage it. Now, they can give you some assistance. There's some states that got cost share. There's some states that have landowner, you know, uh, trap rentals or loaners. Uh, so landowner cooperatives. Cooperatives maybe. type deal. You and know, you can form that on your own, I guess. You, you got that right. And like I said, if you want to look at it, we'll help you. We, we deal with soil and water agencies all the time. That They buy one and rent it out just like you do your grain drill at your local FSA office or whatever. So, you know, there, there's a lot of And it all depends on what the interest is. People are going to do what they need. Um, you know, Alabama, there's a, there's a huge, not a huge, there's a very large pilot program that's wrapping up this fall. It's, uh, it's about 11 states, started with nine. Um, it's been a three-year deal. Each state did things a little bit different. Now, all the pilot programs in Mississippi were over in the Delta because it was targeted towards row crop. You know, Alabama, they spread theirs around. They had three different ones. You know, Georgia, it's a, you know, it's down up in the Red Hills kind of deal. So, you know, those programs are wrapping up, and that was kind of looking at uh, how is the government doing this, you know, their, their methods. They tried a little different things, contractors versus, you know, doing it themselves versus uh, cost share. Alabama did a cost share for landowners. That program's still going on. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of information that's going to come out this fall, and then you're going to see some government programs kind of twist and morph. Now, luckily, you know, here in Mississippi, we've got a really good ag commissioner, um, Mr. Gibson, he uh, he he doesn't like pigs, and, and and he's pretty serious about getting away from them. He started one of the first trapping programs through MDAC. Uh, I think they've got twenty seven traps in there now, and they've got two guys landowners. You put in for a lottery, they they come check your property. You've got pigs, they loan you a trap. Uh, I know that program is going to expand in the in the in the very very near future. Um, uh, uh, there's another program that we're starting with, with FFA chapters to get those traps in trappers' hands and let them help landowners out. Um, and then, you know, something that's new, like I said, and it'll probably be out by, by the time this podcast comes out, is you're fixing to see a cost share in the state of Mississippi. Oh, wow. Brand new. Announced here first. How about that? That's right. And, um, and How much can you say about that? Well, there, there's not a whole lot because, you know, the program's just now being, being written. Uh, that will go through your, your ag commissioner, like Andy I said, Gibson. Uh, Andy Gibson, he's done a real good job and, and, and he's all about helping landowners get rid of their pigs, especially, you know, people That's that are farming. Right. And so, you know, the percentages haven't been worked out yet, but like I said, I mean, you're talking about that's, uh, I was thinking it was probably going to be in the fall. Um, I'm thinking now that you're talking about late spring, early summer, oh, that nice. program's going to hit the ground running. Uh, it's going to be a limited program to start with. So, you know, if you're interested in it. Uh, statewide, as far as you know, or as, far as, specific? I, as far as I know, it's going to yeah. be. A I don't statewide. want to put you on the spot. I mean, yeah. you said there's more to come out. Yeah, there's that. more to come out. Like I said, that, this this program's brand new. And that's one thing I can say about our commissioner. 
when he gets when he gets the notion. Oh, whatever the issue is, Andy Gibson's vocal about it. You know right where he stands on the issue now. I'll, I'll give him that. And if there's something he can do about it, he's fixing to do it, and we're going to do it now and move yeah. on to the next problem. So, you know, like I said, we've been fortunate in Mississippi to have him. Uh, and, and I look forward to working with his office on, on this and some other projects. So, like I said, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, nationally, you, you could see a potential cost share program. That's all going to depend on this pilot area, you know, this pilot program that runs out in the end of the fall. Um, so, you know. I'd love to get, you know, you'd expand on that cost share program just in theory, Jack, because, you know, we've got a lot of different cost share programs, you know, throughout the state. And, uh, and a lot of it is, um, you know, limited basis um you know it's a rank system and so i just because i put in i may not be i might not be eligible i may not get that that cost share money that first year and so just the 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 philosophy around that cost share and how do i use that in, in my timing of buying those traps you talk about some of these numbers and the damage that they can do you know hypothetically i wait around on a couple of years to get cost share program and that'd be the equivalent of me stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime exactly and so well, if you're that, in the hay that, business that's one of the know, things that you know you may not spring. want to wait around on well no and that's what you know um for farmers whether you're talking about you know cattle farmers or row crop farmers or whatever you know th- their their damage is tangible it's real they know what their cost per acre is so it's real easy for them to make a decision on you know whether you're talking about you know a, a commercial you take a net trap that's three thousand dollars or, you know, you start moving into a smart trap that a suspended trap starts at, say, $4,900. And, you know, you can spend whatever you want. I've sold traps that were upwards of twenty grand because somebody wanted something huge. Uh, you know, like I said, so a farmer knows the real numbers. Now, when you start talking about these recreational landowners or people that may not have, you know, a whole lot of disposable income or they're not showing income from their property, it makes it a lot harder for them to spend money on it. So, you know, a, a cost share is kind of a, it's a catch-22. Uh, there's yeah, a lot of... ROI is easier for some people to define. That's right. It, it's a, it's, it makes it easier to do. Uh, you know, the, the downside is now you start depending on government money to do everything you want to do. So, so like I said, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be done, but I, I got confidence in, in the guys that are in charge of this one, uh, with, with, with the commissioner's office. I think they're going, they're going to make a good stab. They've looked at a lot of things around the country, um, that have been done. And so I think they're going to make a good change to it. Gotcha. Anything else that Jack, that we need to be asking that we're not asking? Well, you know, there's 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 one more elephant in the room we hadn't talked about. That would be the whole toxic discussion. Um, toxicants are, are one of those things. It's pretty controversial. Uh, personally, my opinion is it's it's become a lot political. So I, I think you're going to see toxicants available in the next three to five years uh, in the United States. Um, I do feel like. Uh, the government is going to start using some of those in very limited forms probably in the next 12 months. Um, is that for sterilization or for um, I mean, toxins to, to eliminate them? You, they're trying all of them right now. There, there's a, Everybody's looking for, quote, the next silver bullet, and like we said earlier, it's not there. The sterilization, you know, when you start talking about sterilizing animals, that's a, that's a tricky thing that you're going to put on the landscape. Um, you know, there's been some disease or, or, you know, viruses type deal. I don't think there's any stomach for any kind of pig virus after what we've been Mm -hmm. through for the past three Mm -hmm. years. So, you know, that the virology side of it, I think pretty much died. 
Um, you know, and then there's some toxins that are that are lethal. Uh, the problem with lethal toxins in the United States is, heck, my daughter was 13 years old, 12 years old when she got her first cell phone that had a camera on it. You know, that's not going, that's in our political environment, it's going to be tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some other countries that we work with where they can use toxicants and they can use some really strong toxicants. Uh, you know, the rules to use those in those countries, you know, a lot of guys that are permitted to use them, they'll, you know, they tell me all the time, hey, if I can set a camera up in a trap and catch pigs, I'd do that a hundred times before I use the first toxicant. Just oh, wow. Just yeah. because, you know, you've got to notify the landowners. Unknown, yeah. Well, it's not only that, the, the rules to use it. You know, you take the protocol in a country, say like Australia, that's been using them for years. You know, you got two weeks of a prebate, then you got 10 days of a placebo, and then you've got two weeks of a toxicant, and then you've got another 10 days after of another type placebo or a postbate to make sure you got everything. You've got a you know, mark the property, keep people off of it, identify the surrounding landowners. By the time you do all that, you could have gone in pre-baited, set a trap up, caught the pigs, and gone home. Yeah. You know, and so that's kind of what we see. Uh, there, there's probably a place for it. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan when you start talking about, you know, poison. Uh, the delivery method's got to get a lot better than what I've seen thus far before I could say uh, I could recommend somebody using one. Yeah. I just I don't see a huge advantage over over the trapping, over, over what, what you guys are doing. Well, I think here in the in the U.S., man, we're fighting an uphill battle, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, efficacy, political environment. I mean, it's going to have to be a lot of things changed before that gets to be widespread. You know, if any of the, the biggest thing you can take from this is we spent about 200 years getting feral pigs spread across this country. Now, of course, it greatly accelerated over the past 50 or 60. But, you know, we didn't just get in this problem overnight. And so if you take, you know, and we ain't going to get out of it, overnight. we're not going to get out of it overnight either. And so it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of work and, and it's going to take a concerted effort. Now you're seeing some things change as far as, you know, way people are attacking this. Do you start center and work your way out? You start at one end, work your way down, you know? And so, you know, all that's going to kind of, you know, what's the best number of traps per unit area or per pigs. So, you know, there's a lot of that stuff that's going on right now. Um, and we're still learning and we're still, still refining. Learning. But but the biggest thing is if you'll you know, if you've got pigs, you can control pigs on your property and if you've got landowners you can work with, you can make an impact in your area. Yeah. Yeah, well I know proactive. Yeah, I appreciate you being the the, the leader in this, especially as a landowner with hogs. Man, I I appreciate what you the technology you got on landscape in in our area. Yeah, I appreciate it. So well I I appreciate the opportunity to come, like I said, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh Known y'all from years, and, 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 you know, like I said, I like what y'all are doing here, and, and I think it's going to be good for a lot of landowners. Yeah. No, I appreciate your time. Nah, you Brent, get us out of here. That's been a good one, man. Let's go do something else for a little while. Thank y'all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Jack. Yes, sir.